Alright y'all, this is the 14th episode of the Triple Option Report podcast. And uh, it's coming out a little later than usual, but had a busy day yesterday. But anyway, getting, getting back on topic. Today is very... Uh, well, the first half of sports dominate, I'll say. Might be majority, because a big thing happened last night, obviously. The NBA draft. Now, overall, you know, the usual, I would say... In regards to the top three picks, Scoot Henderson, I really like that pick, especially especially for Portland, because in a way, like what he has a lot of a, a lot of positivities, a high upside. He's six two one ninety five, so the height is a little might be questionable. I don't know. I don't think so. But he's got a, a good frame, so he, like he's big enough where he doesn't have to put on pounds or anything. He can just go into the NBA. From day one, and he'll be fine physically. But in shoes, apparently he's up to six foot four. So when he's playing, he's gonna have good height. What I mean, yeah. So like overall, his size would be good. His hands are huge. So I don't again like he has good measurements overall. Like he's his athleticism and explosiveness is some of the highest in the whole class by leaps and bounds. Just overall, like he's very little flaws. He's a, he's a great mid-range shooter. And, like, how he plays, he's great around the paint. He's great getting to the rim. He's explosive. He has great handles and ball movement when he gets to the rim. And he's great. He's got a lot of skill when he gets to the rim as well. Like, how he plays, how he's very explosive. Like, his explosion, his quickness, his speed, his ability, ability to, to get by anyone, to, to score at the rim any way he wants. His ability to, to, to manipulate that into being able to, to, to get his own shot mid-range-wise. Yes, his low weakness that he's not a good three-point shooter at all. But he's an insanely efficient two-point shooter. Very efficient. He's a good free-throw shooter from what, what, what we've seen. He's a really good passer. Phenomenal vision. I, I think overall he would flourish in, in a roster that has a lot of three-point shooters, especially off-ball three-point shooters. And I think if he were to end up being like long-term, because I don't know how much longer Dame has at this level, because you never know. He's getting up there in age a little. But if he were to be like the next one-two push for Dame, with the roster also has people like Anthony Simmons, if they can get three-point shooting for that team, like, I mean, they have a good amount now. I, yeah, like, he'd be a great fit for them. Phenomenal fit for them. I really do think so. I'm not saying that they could, like, win in a Western Conference or something, but, like, it would probably do a good job of keeping Dame there long-term. They have, So, who knows? Like, I think it's a really good draft pick for Portland. They were... Pretty blessed to have him drop to third for them. Like I said, the low weakness is what? Three-point shooting? The rest of the team's got that. So he'll be fine. And Dame's got that. So yeah, I don't think that's a big problem for that roster that he's going to. Obviously, Victor Wimbenyama. What can we what what what's been said has been said already about him? Seven foot five. What, an eight foot wingspan? He's a center, but he has skill set of like a guard. He's a great shooter, great defender. He's a great shot blocker, but at all levels, not just like at the rim. He can block. He's a great shot blocker at uh, what j- jump shooting wise, which is crazy because he's so long and tall. 
he's a great defender in general. Like just straight up. Not just at the rim where we're blocking shots. He's a great skilled defender just all around. He doesn't and, and, and people might think like, oh well, he's okay, he's a great shooter. Everything is tall, freakishly tall. We've seen this before. We've seen this with Chris Taff, we've seen this with uh Ralph Sampson. Almost don't know how I forgot that. Legend. But yeah, people might think, oh, okay, like he's like those guys. What's the difference? Well, the difference is there's no injury history. Up to this point, you never know. Again, Yao Ming didn't have a lot of injury history, and then that happened. But I'm just saying, like, he still has no injury history. Again, so that's something you're willing to take. And it, with that skill set, the elite defense he has, all around defense, not just shot blocking, like I said before. He's a great shooter. He has good handles. He has good skill. It's scary. Like, he's a unicorn. I, I, in for that Spurs team that's super young, and, and like I said, the Spurs have a good history. The fan base does with France, and the French fan base has a good history with the Spurs. It was just a match. It was a perfect match, honestly. It really was, from a cultural standpoint. Like, he's not going to have a culture shock in the U.S. going to San Antonio Spurs. Literally the best possible choice for him. And and another French player, could, that draft class for the Spurs, really good. That's all I'm going to say. Like, they're going to continue to have a good future. So the time of them staking it up these last couple of years, if you don't like the Spurs, you should have soaked it in because uh, I think they'll be right back. Not dynasty, but like to being a good team again very soon. Maybe not next year, but next two to three years, yeah. Brandon Miller. The last big name of the draft. Now, this is a little awkward. I mean, then, you know, the elephant in the room involving Brandon Miller. And Charlotte Hornets, people were not big fans of them thinking of picking him or Scoot Henderson from the get-go. It's not just because of, you know, everything involving Brandon Miller. And just the fact that the the Hornets also, with the whole Miles Bridges situation, just all of that. And even the reaction he's getting, that was a lot of booze. Not just like in the actual green room and all that where the NBA, all the fans were. No, in Charlotte itself. There were multiple places in, in local Charlotte areas where people were booing. So, again, it's not a good look. Like, the, the reaction he's going to get on opening day, how is that going to go? And throughout the, throughout the whole year. Because... Charlotte is not Columbia, South Carolina. But I remember I watched it live when he played against South Carolina and Alabama played against South Carolina last year in a regular season. Those fans were, they didn't hold back against him. So it's going to be very, I don't know how they're going to handle that situation. It's all of it. And I get why people weren't exactly big fans of Malika Andrews last night with their point. But someone had to point it out, you guys. That, that's a huge elephant in the room. You can't just act like that never happened. Like, yeah. Come on. You can't be surprised that that happens. <laughs> that's, that's a huge situation. So, yeah. Not trying to be, like, laugh about it. I'm just, like, just the whole thing. It's, it's crazy. So, like, you can't just 
brush that over or you know so yeah like i mean the, the thing is his intangibles are good like what he actually brings is good he has a high ceiling he could be like a kd type of player but that's a big risk and he did not play well when he came back from that whole situation like how they handled that literally when he came back he his quality fell off the rest of the year including into the tournament where he played really bad especially for his standards so it will be very interesting how his rookie year goes that's all i'm gonna say overall though the horns did draft well it's just that one pick is woo. okay Speaking of draft winners and people who drafted well, I thought the Spurs drafted well. I really like the Rockets picks. I get why people didn't go after Cam Whitmore. Well, I don't get because I don't really know yet. Was it injuries? What What's up with that? But overall, the Rockets got him. And they, they drafted really well, too. Really well. Uh, managed to get, yeah. What, Amen? What, they got Amen, Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore in the first round? They're going for a big risk there, getting a fourth pick on, what, Amen Thompson and, and deciding, well, we just got to wait for K. Whitmore, and he dropped enough to get to them for his second pick in the first round. So, yeah, like, overall, the Rockets drafted really well. Jazz drafted great. Showblazers, like I said before, thought they drafted well. I thought the Pistons drafted well. One thing that made every single Pistons, that made this draft class unique to me was that there was a lot of athletes with the two picks they got. They got the other Thompson twin, and they got Sasser from Houston. They got two guys who are really good athletes and really good defenders. And I just absolutely loved how Sasser played at Houston in general. So, like, I thought those two players were, like, perfect pits, perfect fits for what Detroit Pistons... Historically speaking, the Detroit Pistons, when they're at their best, they have sort of a blue-collar pro-defensive play. In the 80s and 2000s, when they dominated the East, that was their style. So, just saying, I wouldn't mind Detroit getting better on defense. That's their motto when they're at their best, is that they're physical and they're elite defensively. So, those two draft picks were excellent picks if you're trying to get back to that mold. So, yeah, I thought they had a great draft class as, as well. But... Uh, Draft losses. The Wizards. Yeah. You just in general. The Wizards had a very weird draft. A lot of trades that... Okay. Like, when I look at what the Wizards... Well, I'll, I'll, later on in the episode, I'll tell you what I think the Wizards are doing. And how that might end out. But yeah. And the Pelicans, for all the hype. Between Zion and, and what's going to happen there. Are they going to trade or what? Nothing. They did get that guy from UConn. That's a good draft pick. But for what they needed, he would have fit perfectly for a team like the Lakers or, ironically enough, the Shell Blazers. I don't know. But, like, to I guess later on in the draft, but which wasn't going to happen, but still. But, like, for the Lakers, yeah, that would have been a great pick for them. It's just an off-ball shooter. But for the Pelicans, I don't know if he really fits them. For what they need. I don't know. But you know. It is what it is. Like the Pelicans. Yeah. Pretty disappointing draft for them overall. Just nothing happened. Now. 
that was one part of the NBA that was big, obviously. I think we know what the other big one is. And it's the trades. It's officially the NBA offseason. And we know that gets as entertaining these last few years as the NBA season itself. And first big news for the offseason? Well, first two big news. News is, news, whatever, from the offseason. We're two trades. One of them being the Chris Paul trade. Him and a 57th pick. I'll say I like this pick. Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. I didn't like that he failed so far down the draft. I thought he, I think he's going to play well in the NBA. And honestly, he's a good pick for, for Golden State in a way. Golden State needs someone who can score in a paint. Someone who's a, a big body. Who can, he's not like a giant or anything, no. He's, he's a good size forward. But he has great footwork, excellent footwork, and I think can go. They, they can fit well to the NBA almost overnight and score well in the paint. I think it's a good pick for for Golden State. They need someone like that. Now, Chris Paul, I don't know. For Jordan Poole, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Ryan Rollins, and two future first, a future first, and a future second round pick. Okay. I don't know what's going on between these two teams. You know, I thought the trade last night between the the the, the Pacers and Lakers was a little weird. Forties for forty seventh, okay. Just exchanging draft picks at the same quality. All right, but this is even weird. This is might be even weirder, honestly. Like Chris Paul, I don't know how he fits with with Golden State. I guess they're saying. I guess they're thinking. We had Steph Curry a load way too much last year. Let's have Chris Ball carry a load, I guess, and have Seth play off ball. This is a big risk because Chris Paul, this is not the same Chris Paul. He still got his vision, yeah. He still got his passing, but his scoring is not what it was. His defense fell off. So, again, like, one of the problems with Golden State last year was also their defense is bad. Well, at least bad for their standards. And... Chris Paul's not going to really help them with that. Not 2023 Chris Paul. So, again, it's 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 strange. But, you know, if I thought they are going to try to, to let Chris Paul go in and just have half his contract paid off and that's it. And you can use the rest of the money to build death. But no, about letting go of the Jordan Poole contract so you have a lot of money. No, they're just going to keep Chris Paul. Okay. I don't know. I don't think that ends well. I don't know. That's just me. I think it's very strange. Who knows what Golden State's doing there? As for the Wizards, well, at this point, I think it's pretty obvious what the Wizards are what Washington is doing. They're tanking. Or at least they're doing a, well, not tanking, they're doing a rebuild. I think this will probably go the exact way the Jazz's rebuild went last year, where it, it the Wizards will surprisingly do better than expected at first. Like, whoa, whoa, Washington, look at them. And then later on, reality kicks in, and they're like the 12th or 13th seed or something like that in Eastern Conference. Something like that's probably going to happen. So, and, yeah, who knows? And then they'll probably draft well. It, it's, they're going full rebuild mode. There's nothing crazy like that. Like, I mean, nothing crazy is going to happen out of this. It's the rebuild. That's it. As for the other big trade, Chris Stapps, obviously, to Boston. This is a weird fit. I kind of get it. 
because Boston's problem against Miami was that they couldn't shoot three as well. And that their three-point shooting, albeit good, was sometimes a little too, I don't know, like off, inconsistent. But still, Chris Stapps, like, it's an extra big body. That's something Boston was missing, too. Chris Stapps there, it, it's an extra big body, and he can stretch out the floor a little, you know. He can shoot three as well. He can shoot well overall, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, letting go and Marcus Smart for it. Okay, that's a big risk too. Who knows? Maybe they build up more in this roster. I don't know. It's a strange, it's kind of weird. But it, it could work. Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies is an excellent fit, I think. Like he's pretty much, I think Dylan Brooks gets a little bit too much slack. I mean, flack, flack. I think Dylan Brooks gets a little too much flack overall. Like, don't get me wrong, he talks a lot, maybe too much, but, you know, I don't think he's terrible. I think he's devolved over the last two years in quality, he has, yeah, because his three-point shot actually used to be good. But, like, it's so reliable. So, yeah, he has devolved from the offensive standpoint. From a defensive standpoint, he's, he's been good, really good. But... Like, all defense quality at times. But Marcus Smart, I mean, you get a same quality of defense with a better three-point shot. Pretty much Marcus Smart is what we thought Dylan Brooks would have been two years ago now. If he would have kept shooting three as well. So, yeah, you get an improvement. So, overall, like, and you get vet another vet. That could be a good leader for, for the locker like the locker room and just behind the scenes overall. And... Everyone knows Memphis needs someone like that after last year. So, yeah, I, th- I think Marcus Smart, I think that's a really good move for Memphis. And, yeah, like the Wizards, they were involved too. Got Danilo Gallinari and Mike Mascala. Gallinari is very underrated, but again, injuries kind of hurt him. That, yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to keep Gallinari or not. They could probably trade him for extra draft, well, not draft picks, but maybe future draft picks, who knows. We know what the Wizards want, honestly, at this point. Well, like, we do know. They want to rebuild. So, that's, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was the big news when it came to the NBA. Some strange, weird trades up to this point. Probably be some more. Actually, no, there'll be a lot more. It's the NBA. It's the offseason. You know what happens. Now, sticking with sports, I wanted to talk about, for a brief period, San Diego State and Mountain West. That situation. I don't know what's going on there. That is chaotic. I, look, I understand teams wanting to leave conferences and all. Like, they want to leave a conference and we get it. And I would wait until after the season. Come on. Leaving in July. We just have we have magazines already out, y'all. We got schedules. We got TV content. We can't do that this year. Not right now. And now, I don't know if San Diego State is Mountain West even wanting to bring them back. I don't know what's going on here. Like, it's a bit of a mess. It's actually not. It's a, bit, it's a very big mess. And it's chaotic. It's conference realignment. But come on. At least wait until, like, the season starts or after the season. Just say, like, okay, yeah, we can leave next year. Right before the season starts, we're literally having... If, if they were to leave in July, we, we would... We would we have college football next month in August. Like, what? No. Let's let's wait a little while. 
you guys. You can't change a schedule to independence and try to get uh, uh, teams to, to sign up to play you and be eligible for a bowl game because you have enough FBS teams on the schedule in like a month. When TV game like games and TV times are already up. They already have on the freaking ESP, ESPN app. They already have the games and times and everything up for every game, Week Zero. Like, like if I look right now on ESPN app on, on college football, and I look at, like, yep, here it is. All right. They have every single game with every channel that is on in all the times already, already for Week Zero and Week One. Week Zero, Davy Notre Dame, 2.30 p.m. on NBC, UTEP Jacksonville State, 5.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, UMass New Mexico State, 7 p.m. on ESPN, Ohio San Diego State, 7 p.m. on FS1, Hawaii Vandy, 7.30 at SEC Network, San Jose State USC, 8 on Pac-12 Network, FIU Louisiana Tech, 9 on CBS Sports Network. They already have all the games with TVs, times, and everything scheduled already for Week 0. Not just the, not just the FBS. The FCS. They have everything scheduled. Heck, Division 2, they have everything scheduled. Like, you can't do that. Not right now. That would throw the whole thing up. And, and just a mess. Come on. Like, yeah. You know, at this point, I do wish it was a perfect world where every college football team and conference was based just swirly on a mixture of tradition and geographics. And that was it. Not this mess. And it's not going to end anytime soon. Absolutely not. Uh, probably going, if they were to leave, they'd probably go to what, the Big 12 or Pac-12. But he can't do it this year. I mean, jeez. Yeah, this this is uh, it's about to be even crazier. Obviously. But yeah, this is just, the, uh, just one little blip of, of all the chaos that's happening in conference realignment and college sports in general for the next several years. So just be be prepared for that. Now, going off of sports, going into pro wrestling, a big event's happening on Sunday night. Forbidden Door 2. And I, one thing I'm just happy for is that we forget. Like I said, I've said before, my first aspect, like my first time ever watching any wrestling that I can, I can remember is my dad was watching WCW and ECW back in like, what, 2000? Right before it ended? Like, like, for my time, for my entire life, majority of my life, it's just been WWE. On, that's regularly on television. So seeing another promotion like AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling on television, think about that. Wrestlers who you couldn't even you couldn't even imagine. Like for years, there was this, there was always this perception about what works for pro wrestling in an American audience, and it was nothing like this. So it's very surreal to see wrestlers from New Japan and and wrestlers from AEW, and not just that, wrestlers from the Indies, and even people from, from like, people from, like, GCW at one point were on television. Wrestlers from, uh, All Japan, and TJPW's, promotions like this. AAA, like, having them on TV, on live TV, on TNT, 
you know, on TBS is crazy. But yeah, this this show between AEW and New Japan is gonna be it's gonna be huge. Like my like, look at this at paper. Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay and Brian Danielson and Okada, that alone. All these matches, the build-up has been perfect. It's not like they've been doing like a, a story like hyped up storylines. No, for the most part, it's just been advertising good matches. And for events like this, that's honestly the best case scenario. They've knocked out the park, obviously. I guess this has been great. So yeah, I'm going to be hyped up for this show. So yeah, this is going to be show of the year. Up to this point, could be surpassed. All in, it's pushing, what, 70,000 almost? That's just paid for tickets. If this thing cracks 85,000, we're even somehow miraculously, oh jeez, almost somehow miraculously, what, 90,000? Wow, that would be just a non-WWE American promotion cracking 80, 90K. Like, something that I don't even know if WWE could do. Like, we talk about their shows. They exaggerate the crap out of their, their, their numbers. Their real highest numbers were 84,000. If they were to surpass in just four years of existence, that's amazing. So, yeah, like, they're going to be hyped up. This is going to be a crazy summer for AEW. Like, they, they got Forbidden Door 2. They got All In. And a week later, All Out. Like, I'm hyped. And then Collision is looking great. This upcoming show is looking amazing. So, yeah, you'll get a review of the show from me in, in the next episode, definitely. Might, might make a majority of the show, honestly. For next, for what, Monday? Yeah. But, woo, Yeah. This is going to be a show of the year, definitely, on paper. Big improvement from last year, and last year was show of the year. So, yeah, AEW is on a great... Pro wrestling in general is, has a lot of moment, momentum right now. So, I, I'm hyped. Now, staying with pop culture. Like I said, I think pro wrestling is a part of pop culture. But, yeah, staying on that with movies. Okay, so it looks like Across the Spider-Verse might actually be number one again this upcoming week domestic bo- in a domestic box office. Well, at least is either yesterday or this upcoming week. In, in, in any case, if that's the case, that's not a good look. It's great for Spider-Man and for Spider-Man fans and for across the Spider-Verse, but awful for literally the rest of the movie industry. That's not a good look when that movie is still number one or competing for number one. When it's, what, hitting only, what, 20,000 20, or a little less than that probably? Like, that's good for them, but they're bad for everyone else. It's, it, yeah. So, right now, we're in a bit of a weird period right now for movies. But it looks good, promising in the future. You know, I I think no hard feelings. Again, like, the reviews from reviewers aren't high, but people seem enthusiastic about it. I don't know if it's going to do crazy numbers, but it's like your stereotypical mid-2000s comedy movie. Like, people will love it, and that's what makes it iconic, more than the critics giving it a mediocre rating. So, uh, yeah, overall, I'd probably watch that movie. I think I have high feelings for it, I have high hopes for it, so it's just good to have a movie like that again. We we haven't really had a lot of movies like No Hard Feelings in a while. Ashford City, Wes Anderson, you know... He's an acquired taste, 
but he is still iconic. And I, at, so I, I would have hype about, you know, I have a lot of hype about it. I've watched Wes Anderson movies, but again, the reviews are looking good for that one. And I know everybody's saying, oh, but no hard feelings, but it's a different story. Like, it's a different type of movie. Like, his movies, movies like that kind of are more fitting for reviews and, you know, completely innocent comedy movies. So, yeah. But there's still some hype, but what's really going to make the movies industry hyped up is coming up next month. In about a month, actually. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Now, those two movies are going to be big. And I'm hyped for both. I might watch both. Be hilarious. A completely, like, two completely different aesthetics. And just how they both... I don't know. Maybe the Barbie movie is going to be pretty dark. Like, deceptively dark. I don't know. But obviously Oppenheimer is going to be just depressing probably. But Barbie, again, like uh, two completely different personalities of movies. But at the same time could attract almost a lot of the same people in a weird way. But like completely different people at at the same time. Like, yeah, they're both going to do great numbers. And they're going the same week, so... Yay, we got a good movie battle. And of two good hyped movies. Yeah, that I, I, I'll probably watch both, honestly. But that's what the movie industry needs. There's multiple movies that are of different genres that are actually hype, like have good hype about them and look like they're going to be very good in movies. We haven't had that in a while either. So that would be great. Now, I'm going to stick with this. But going off of movies, I wanted to do a quick thing. I saw the intro for Secret Invasion. First off, the show itself is fine. It's okay. It's not, again, like I said before, was it going to be concerning that the reviews aren't looking so good for Secret Invasion? The movie, the, the show, the first episode was good. I thought. It was fine. Like, it was above average. But the thing that everyone's, everyone's talking about that's distracting from even that is the intro. I don't care if it's for creative reasons or not. I think it's a load of BS. Using AI is a way of just trying to cut corners financially and doing it in this situation. You know, this, this, just, just this entire, like the whole situation, everything that's going on right now with the writer strike and everything. Using AI, that's a bad look. It's a terrible look for Disney. It's a, you've already had problems in the past. What? two to three years now involving VFX too and like how you treat your workers in there. So so just having that happen and and, and the the writer's strike and then decide to do AI isn't it's a bad look. An awful look. Please don't do that. I would like for no there to be no more AI, please. It only in certain like situations where it's completely innocent and it's just for jokes. But like for actual like things that involve people having to work for and, and like what they're getting money off of like arts and intros for shows let's not do that it's a bad bad look it is it, it's not something that you want in the future either like come on Disney do better they've had too much they've had too many good notes and bad notes at the same time it's, it's just weird like come on Disney stop shooting yourselves in the foot alright and now one last thing, the big time pick. Now, 
back to track and field. I want to say one thing, though, with track and field. Shout out to all the athletes of USATF. They deserve a lot better than what they're getting. They deserve to get paid a lot better than what they're getting, and deserve a lot more benefits than what they're getting. Than what they're getting. Especially in Eugene. Bumping up the prices like that because of a special event they're getting involved in, the national championships, that's very... That's just awful. It's in poor taste. Again, stop doing this. Please. It's really bad taste. It's already rough already, like, financially, in terms of, like, pricing and, and, and housing and pe- where people can stay. Don't do not do that. And to athletes who have to pay out of their pocket for everything else, too. Is They shouldn't have to pay out their pocket. <laughs> They're athletes of the USATF. They should be having that organization pay for this stuff. While they get to stay at nice hotels, the organizers. It's just a bad look. It's a really bad look. But that's been an ongoing problem with the U.S. track and field organization in general. So, what else is new? But yeah, going on the track and field. My big time pick. The The New York City Grand Prix is a big event coming up tomorrow. On Saturday. And I think the biggest, well, one key event is the men's 200-meter dash. Now, in this event, you got a pretty nice field. You got, uh, let's see, Elijah Murrow, if I'm pronouncing that correct. He's been pretty surprisingly good this year. Has some surprise wins. Uh, James Dotsie from Ghana. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. 1979, one of the top three fastest times in the world this year, if I'm correct. Isam Asinga, obviously I talked about him from Suriname, the big high school star, 1997, crazy, sub-20 in 200, when the big one, the big one for him was the 100 because of his time zero, like, not win legal, but still insane, like a 983 or something like that, but still, he's got a win legal sub-200 in high school. Well, like, the big star, obviously, is Noah Lyles. He's going to be the runaway favorite in this event, and... I just want to see how fast he runs. No allows is going to win the race. There's no, there's no question. I want to know how fast he went, he runs though. How fast can he run? He's ran a 19.67 already this year. His personal best last year was a 19.31. He's still on momentum from last year with no stoppage in sight. I could see something crazy here. Maybe like a 19.4 or something. Maybe, maybe even faster than that. Who knows? That's, you know, I'm going to make a prediction here. I'm going to say Lyles wins, and he's going to run a sub-19-5. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep it safe. I'm going to say something around a night, the low 19 fours or high 19 fours. So, yeah. But, yeah, no Lyles, one of the runaway favorite. No pun intended. In the men's 200-meter dash at the New York City Grand Prix. That's my big-time pick. So, that's it for today. I'll be back on Monday. Remember, I do Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And remember, you never know what I'll talk about next. All right, y'all. See y'all.